Welcome back to Resident Skeptics for 2022. Me 2022. And Jordan, we made it. We made it through the holidays. We did. We've made it. I've honestly been looking forward to 2022 because of the midterm election. I'm like, if we could just make it through 2021, uh, and if the Democrats just bomb enough, then I've I actually make it to November. Uh, I got a hold of a meme. It's kind of a meme. It's basically a 2022 bingo. It has all these like natural disasters and different things that are on it. I've already got two down. One of them's a new COVID strain, and I forgot what the other one was. But like <laughs> you have to send that to me. Wildfires, riots, aliens invade, dinosaurs come back. I want okay. Oh, dinosaurs! I do want dinosaurs that dinosaurs that to was come actually back. that was it. I had an article on like the third of January or something. I've been getting recommended these articles for like long lost sea creatures, like the fossils that they find. They are so cool. It is terrifying. Dope. It is so cool. And I just, I'm like, now Google knows what I like. And so it sucks me in. <laughs> Facebook also knows that I like cute dogs interacting with babies. And so now it recommends those videos for me constantly. And they also know that I like veteran stories. So it's always recommending me veteran stories. Oh, fun. And those are actually nice. I'm like, finally, the Facebook algorithm <laughs> has something done good, something, something right. Yeah. So they know what I like now. But you'll have to send me that bingo list. And <laughs> now that I know that you love fossils, I will be sending you all of those articles. Well, as see, well. I've found the ones I, I like the ones where the creatures are still alive, not just fossils. I honestly want them to be alive too, but they actually, the articles that I've been looking at, I think it's called live science, but like they actually sketch out what the, um, they actually sketch out what the animal would look like if it Pretty scary alive. looking. It's really cool. <laughs> it's super, super duper cool. And you know that, um, well, I think this is a couple months ago where I was like super into like whale documentaries. Yeah, I remember that. I'm still into it. <laughs> um, I haven't stopped. They're, they're really, I know you call them, you, you call beluga whales sea cows, um, if I remember correctly. I think I did. Yeah, um, which, you know, is not too far off, but they're actually incredibly smart creatures. They are. Very, very smart. Um, and so these little documentaries are fascinating. All that to say. Did you, okay, I will ask, did you okay. ever land on a documentary that talks about dolphins? I'm just not interested in dolphins. And what awful little creatures they are. I have not watched a documentary on dolphins. They're horrible. Okay, I'm going to have to now, just to like, so we can talk about it later. Okay. Um, but we have had a lot to discuss. Um, we had an interesting holiday season, um, like Ex extenuating most- Extenuating circumstances. I think we were actually supposed to record last week, but it wasn't going to happen. Why wasn't that going to happen, Connor? Because us and everybody else was sick with COVID. <laughs> Yeah, the entire world uh, was sick, but we are survivors. We did make it. It was a harrowing experience. It was. It was. Actually, it wasn't, but it was. It was definitely. So for you, yours was like a confirmed case. Mine was confirmed and, and, and tested because it, uh, I guess a little bit of backstory. Um, I grew up getting strep fairly often because there was something wrong with my tonsils. Once those got removed in my early teens, uh, I haven't had it since. But it's not supposed to keep me from being able to get it. Um, so it's been over like 10 years since I've last had it. And I started getting this sore throat. Uh, trying to think. Christmas Christmas was what, Friday? It was on a Friday? Um, yes. Yes. Christmas was on Friday. So that, No, so, wait. It was on Saturday. Was it? So Christmas Eve was Friday then. Yeah. Okay, so Tuesday evening that week, my throat started feeling sore, and by the end of Wednesday, 
um, going into Thursday, it was hurting pretty bad. And it felt a lot like I remembered strep feeling. That was the only symptom that I had. Um, my doctors weren't able to see me. So I went over to an urgent care to go get tested for strep because I didn't want to go through the entire holiday weekend and come out on Monday with the same sore throat, uh, because it's a bacterial infection. It's not going away with the antibiotics. Right. I get there. I tell them the sore throat is the only thing that I have. Uh, and they're like, okay, we're going to test you for COVID. I'm like, okay, how about anything else? They're like, well, what would you like to be tested for? I don't know, strep. <laughs> other th- other things that involve the throat. It felt weird <laughs> telling. <laughs> it felt weird telling the doctor test me for this. Yeah, um, that's kind of that's kind of weird. It was kind of odd, but you know, I, I I waited. They said okay. They got me in. The nurse walks in. She's like, okay, I got the test ready. And I was like, which test? She's like, the COVID test. Is there another test? I'm like, yeah, strep. I asked to be tested for strep. The only symptom I have is sore throat. And I'd like to not assume that it's just COVID. Right. I know that it's very popular to get COVID right now, but there's plenty of other things out there that can be causing my sore throat. And that's the only symptom I have. Uh, now, I, I didn't have fevers, which was the one conflicting thing. Normally, you would, I believe you get fevers along with strep. It doesn't feel great. And then they tested me for both of them. And uh, strep came back negative and COVID came back positive. Uh, talk to the doctor and this, this is probably the part that surprised me the most for me is one, he did give me some treatment options, which was doubling up on a bunch of different vitamins, uh, C, D, uh, and zinc were the primary ones. Mm -hmm. Um, but he told me of which urgent clinics in Charlotte were, uh, going to be treating, uh, basically for COVID. He's like, if you, if you want to get treated for it, they have antibody treatments. Um, and for anybody in the Charlotte area of North Carolina, uh, StarMed is the is the main one in the city that actually has it. And there's only a handful of them in the entire city. And I think that a few of oh, there's the other there's different. There's another hospital here. I'm forgetting the name of it, but they might they might have a few. But basically, there's less than a dozen places that I found in this city that are treating COVID. Right, not just. Vaccine. Tests and vaccines are a dime a dozen. They're on like every other corner. There's right. like as many of them as we, there are. We literally drug went dealers. to Godoba and I think we were actually parking in a rapid test um, <laughs> lot. We didn't it was mean on to. the edge. We didn't mean to. We weren't sure if um, the sign wasn't super clear. So, but then we ended up moving to a different spot. But we were like right next to people getting their rapid tests. And so you can find those just mm-hmm. about everywhere but in regards to treatment there's as you're kind of talking it's not quite as accessible nope. um it's more few and far between in compared to testing places yeah it was actually it was actually pretty aggravating because uh, hands off to StarMed for doing those those treatments and they're doing them for free by the way um so they're antibody treatments they're uh derived from a somebody's i guess white blood cells or immune system that has already encountered the virus um so that's what they're they're using to boost it's basically an immune system boost and they might have been giving other things out as well i never found out because it was a two-hour wait two-hour wait then you then you get the antibodies and then you have a one-hour observation period and i didn't have that many hours in the day and by the time i was able to get on their schedule it was the following week my sore throat, uh, so let's see, I think I said, yeah, Tuesday night, I started to get sore throat. 
the antibiotics they gave me were mostly for an anti-inflammatory to help with the sore throat, but then they also had some properties to assist if there were any strep-like properties to the virus that I had. Um, by Friday afternoon, so Christmas Eve, sore throat really just started to go away. In its place, a cough. <laughs> oh, great. Lesser of, lesser of two evils, maybe? Perhaps? Which one's worse? Yeah, it, it felt... It was, it was probably the worst for like the six to 12 hours that I had them at the same time because it was a sore throat with a cough, couldn't control it. Yeah. And the cough was not the worst one I've had, by the way. It was just, it didn't help that there was a sore throat and it just kind of wrecked every time I, I had to cough. But sore throat went away by Friday evening. Uh, Christmas day feeling better outside of the cough. And then I think it was around Sunday or Monday when the cough started to to go away for the most part, like the majority of the cough. I still have a little bit, so excuse me on this podcast if for some reason I involuntarily cough. Um, like two days later, all of a sudden I started losing uh, smell and taste uh. really quickly. It was like breakfast. I was like, I can't really taste this. And then by the afternoon, I was like, I can't taste this at all. It's gone. Yeah. Uh, it, I hate that for you. Yeah, I, I so as so far it's come back for me for the most part. I can really distinguish between I think I think my wife called them the uh the genres of flavors. Salty, sweet, bitter, so sour. So you can get like the main stuff. Yeah, I can tell like... that. There's certain certain things I can I can smell uh clove, cinnamon, nutmeg. Those I those I can smell. Um, I can taste peanut butter pretty strongly. Apple juice, I can like. There's there's certain flavors. Vodka. Uh, not really, actually. Oh, mm. That's Couldn't. pretty strong. I'm actually a little surprised. I've uh, tried vodka, tequila, gin, whiskey. Tried little bits of all of them, and for the most part, they all taste the same. Oh and I would describe described it as fire water. I was like, if you leave it in your mouth long enough, you can tell your like your tongue starts going numb and you can feel the effects of it. That's not good. You can still feel the burning <laughs> effect when you when you swallow uh, when you swallow the liquor. But overall, the flavor is just not there. Hmm. Uh, and, and I like the flavor of whiskey quite a bit and gin just and I can't taste it. But it, it's kind it's kind of coming back now. That's good. That's good. I think that you hit on uh, an interesting point where talking about like, I feel like a lot of doctors, at least from what I can tell, again, you know, this is, I don't know if this is data driven or not what I'm going to say, because I haven't looked at the data for it. But I feel like sometimes a lot of doctors are obsessed with COVID. Like it's got to be COVID. You know, I've, I've kind of hinted, you know, when I had mono in 2020, they're like the only thing that could possibly exist. <laughs> Is COVID and you're yeah, just like I remember that they kept they kept trying to make it COVID for you and it's like you were negative on every test. Yeah, like my main doctor at the time, like you know, loved him, thought he was great, but like that's when I told him all my symptoms and it came back negative. They're like, okay, we'll just you know exercise, you know, eat well, and I'm like, you fool! I already do that. <laughs> like, what <laughs> what do you want me to do? And so eventually, I ended up seeing a. Uh, nurse practitioner I believe and she just threw everything at the wall and actually took what I was saying seriously and tried all these different tests um, and also one thing if people have a short memory and don't remember when you went to a doctor's office like you were heavily screened so mm -hmm. with mono 
Like it again, it's not like COVID is a super duper duper unique thing besides the thing with the lungs. Like that's a huge deal. But it you get a cough, you know, you have, you know, fatigue, you know, all, all these all these different symptoms, which mono can also have some of those symptoms. Mm-hmm. And so I'm an honest person where I was constantly not feeling good for months. I was like, I can't go into this office. Like, what if I have COVID? Like they make you feel like you're gonna go insane. Um because of covid like what if i'm killing grandma you know thanks everyone for the fear mongering but eventually my mom was like you're in you're in quite a bit of pain you got to get there so eventually i was able to make it there and i did feel okay that day where i felt mm. honest with what i was saying and i said this is how i'm feeling Cause you're supposed to go to the doctor you know when you don't feel good yeah. <laughs> like that's kind of why i'm there so to screen <laughs> people like do you feel well it's like no, you fool. I don't feel well. That's why I'm here. I'm trying to get in. <laughs> um, but eventually they threw everything at the wall. And eventually they're like, we're just going to throw mono in there just for funsies. I thought it was going to be Hashimoto's or something else. It was the mono. Um, and then a much more severe case. We were talking about it earlier about how this one guy was trying to, he kept getting, he was having issues. So he get, kept getting tested for COVID and it kept coming back negative. Turned out he had sepsis. Fun times. Much I'm much more concerned about sepsis yes. than COVID. Yes. And that's the thing too. Like we can't treat COVID like it's the deadliest disease because it's not. And if people just are like, oh, well, everything's COVID. No, everything's not COVID. Okay, yes, maybe there's COVID mixed in, but there are underlying health issues or there could be another infection or another serious issue. And so when people are like, oh, underlying health issues, who cares? You know, these are COVID deaths. It's like, no, like if you give me a choice between like a cough from COVID or an infection from sepsis, it's probably going to be the sepsis because the data shows that that's probably what's going to be the cause of your illness. Um, unless, you know, COVID is like a severe, severe case. But, mm-hmm. um, it, it's, it really bothers me. It's aggravating to me that we just look at COVID like it's the worst thing because they fear-mongered it so much. And I think it's even, doctors are human beings too. Like they're not, Oh yeah. they're not um, infallible. So they're just going to have COVID on the brain. And I wish, I wish they would like, okay, have uh-uh. COVID on the brain, keep it there. Right. But also be like, okay, what else could this also be? If this test comes back negative, what do we do other than say this is at least antidotal i'm like okay get rest you know drink water eat well i mean a lot of americans could probably benefit from that advice but oh i think they definitely could but for me like you look at me and i'm a a small woman <laughs> i'm not obese i'm healthy and be like well just sleep well exercise it's like um i'm doing that what what more can i possibly do so that's kind of my my rant but i've we've even heard of people who can't who covid was just such a big deal that people who had cancer like couldn't get their cancer treatments we also have had situations with mental health where we've seen uh, a decline in that area but uh, hey at least you're safe from covid yeah i think it's important to note that over the and and i can kind of get it for the holidays because people were traveling and going all over the country but we basically ran into a shortage on tests because so many people were getting tested there was there was a massive spike uh and then for work um i i delve in the in the medical uh field for for my position and everybody ran out of tests basically and the question is like if you have say you have a cough right 
why do you need to get tested? What are they going to do? Like, unless you are dying, like, and I mean, like, you're having a hard time breathing, like, okay, that's a huge deal, like, get that taken care of. But if it's a mild cold, like what I had, there's no test that I need, I'm, I'm just, I'm sick, like, mm-hmm. I, I just, I just need to stay home, rest, keep an eye on my symptoms, do what I need to do, and then get on with my day. Right. But if you were older or if you had other health issues, I think that that would, there's an argument there for you to go and get checked because if it was COVID and quite honestly, if it was flu or anything else, you could potentially be looking at a more serious stay in a hospital because. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. I don't know know how many times my grandpa would get sick with a cold, which would turn into a flu, which would turn into pneumonia because he wouldn't go to the hospital. We're like, dude, you got to go. Right. And that's, again, like that is a decision that has to be made. But when you see these lines, like I've seen these videos of these lines that are of cars. Oh, wraps around Rap, blocks yeah, and no, goes down streets and It's causing craziness. Traffic. We are having you know, our health officials make policy over a much lighter variant. And I want to, and I do want to say this. I understand there are people that have lost their, some loved ones to COVID. And I don't take that lightly. Like, I understand that. I went through something last year in 2020. My, I had a friend, you know, lost sister. It, it was really sad. Um, and so I have a great amount of empathy and sympathy for those situations in those cases. But I also have a great amount of empathy and sympathy for the children that are going to have uh, issues learning, who are going to be socially isolated, who can't go to school, mm-hmm. for the teenagers who are going to commit suicide, and for the young adults who are going to commit suicide. We've already seen the statistics of this go up, where if we isolate COVID as a variable, as the only variable that we look at, then we're ignoring all the other variables that will also lead to some kind of death. Yep. Um, and so again, my heart and my sympathy is there. And, and, and in my advice, I'd be like, if you know that you could be at high risk, as much as I don't think the vaccines are true vaccines, which we can talk about mm-hmm. um, because they don't, they, don't, <laughs> they don't stop transmission, but I will say that they're good if you, are, if you are at risk and you need a milder form. If you get the disease, it's a milder form. Thank God, right? Get the vaccine. I put that in quotes, but get whatever Pfizer or Moderna has. I think that's a good, I think that's a good idea. Um, but we can't, I don't think the blanket policy is necessarily the best choice uh, for people. And I think this is just common sense. I don't have any notes in front of me telling me this. <laughs> it's just, there are some things you and I have talked about where it is common sense to do certain things. When in the beginning of the lockdowns, we're like, Maybe we should just protect those who are vulnerable. Maybe we should think about our kids. And if they're not transmitting this disease, maybe we should let them, you know, go back to school and see people's faces so that they can have that psychological development. Mm-hmm. Not seeing, and we, are, we can actually talk about a study that I have that just came out of uh, New York with babies that were born uh, during COVID and they're having significantly like decreased motor function, like they're not because they're not seeing faces they're not they're not as socialized they're not seeing as many people so there's going to be those defects and people are like oh we don't want to think about that we don't want to think about it and then by the time they want to think about it guess what's going to be too late yeah, we're going to have a whole that. you can't and that development people like to be like oh it's not a big deal but the development of children at this stage is super important and if we're going to keep kids in their homes because of a mild cold with the omicron variant 
I gotta be honest, I think that that's a bad that's a bad risk to take mm-hmm. um, because there's we're gonna be sacrificing uh, more. But that's that's where I'm at with it. No, that that's. I don't know that I could agree. I could agree more on that. You know, sympathies out to everybody. I know that we lost a uh, an extended uh, family member uh, to COVID, which uh, was after we had gone down and visited in Texas. They had a you know they had a large family get together. We haven't I haven't been to one of these in years since I was a toddler probably. Uh, but we went cause it was like, well, you know, a lot of these family members are getting a little bit older and we don't really know what the future holds. So we went out and we visited. Um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that we were at least those in my immediate family, we weren't particularly close to this person, but you know, that, that you know, the last memories that we get to have of them is, you know, at a family den- dance and dinner basically, uh, because they passed away just within the next couple of months because of COVID. And it's like people that, I think that I think we talked about this on the last podcast um, that the 2021 well 2020 uh, Christmas and and New Year's also 2021 we were promised it was like don't celebrate this year you can celebrate next year that is so much time for something to happen where you don't get to celebrate with that person the next year um so i think putting all of that stuff on hold without really any any hard promise that you'll be able to do it again later was i don't know to to me it was unconscionable advice it just didn't make sense it didn't make sense fauci can't keep that nobody can keep that promise I don't. I don't care if it was Fauci or Trump or anybody. So weird. The government makes all these promises uh, that they uh, that they can't. They can't. They keep. have no control over it. At no, all. it's a. It's a. It's a virus, and you have to make. Yeah, and you have to make some of those personal decisions. Like I had COVID over a Christmas, and my sister still chose to come, and mm-hmm. and she and she did end up getting whatever I had. Uh, we're pretty sure it was COVID. Um, <laughs> but uh, she said, you know, I don't regret anything because, like, what if? Because all she got was again, she got that mild cold. Like about, I believe at that point it was ninety five percent of COVID cases were um, Omicron. So mm-hmm. it was it was pretty much well, we pretty much almost knew what it was. And she's like, I don't have any regrets because I don't know if I'll get the next Christmas. I'd rather have taken this risk um, than not at all and not spend Christmas with my family because of Jordan's, you know, sniffles. And I was at the right. very end of of whatever whatever I had. And then my my dad ended up getting it as well but we don't have any regrets about it Mm -hmm. we made our choice we took our risks and said we want to be with our families and screw you Fauci (laughs) Um, I want to be with my family maybe you don't have much of one anymore Fauci but we do so we're going to hold on to that Um, and I think it's very silly and I've heard of to me it's almost unimaginable that this is happening where people are having arguments over whether or not you can come you know if you're vaccinated you can come yeah if you're, i can't imagine it's that it's in, almost it's so family it, it, it's so limiting it's like i unconditionally love you but i would like for you to get vaccinated so it's like so it's conditional like okay <laughs> good to know um yeah. but that's that's just kind of i think and you and I have had a couple of arguments about this because I'm more optimistic. You're more pessimistic. I'm much more pessimistic about, than you are about about this. America, like waking up and mm-hmm. being like, 
uh, so this is getting out of hand. Uh, and I've always said, like, I think that this is going to be the point. I think people are already waking up and already realizing you're not going to have all of the population doing it because you have um, people living in fear. There's actually, um, I know we're not going over the Federalist Papers yet, but there is a portion um there is a portion of the Federalist Papers I was reading, let's see, I was reading number eight mm-hmm. Federalist Paper, um, The Consequences of Hostilities Between the States, and this one was written by Hamilton, um, and there's a small excerpt uh, from it where it says, safety from external danger is the most powerful director of national conduct. Even the ardent love of liberty will, after a time, give way to its dictates. The violent destruction of life and property incident to war, the continual effort and alarm attendant on a state of continual danger will compel nations the most attached to liberty to resort hang on i have to yeah the two lines okay the most attached to liberty to resort for repose and security to the institutions who have a tendency to destroy their civil and political rights to be more <laughs> safe they at length become willing to run the risk of being less free if this doesn't describe where we're at um, as a uh, nation right now, like they're willing to give up your liberty, that's been the argument this entire time. For safety. Yeah. Right. And the, the founding fathers, it's like they were no dummies or something. They're like, uh, yeah, we know that this could be, because a lot of the things they talk about, oh man, I can't talk about the Federalist Papers because we got to get our podcast on that. <laughs> but let me just say, the founding fathers understood human nature and said, yeah, no, these are, people will give up their liberty for safety and we can't. We can't let that. We can't let that happen. We can't. That's why I can't give the executive branch too much power to become right. a monarchy. Um, and but you hear a lot of people like, "Won't you just, you know, just give up, just give up your freedom, so that everyone will be safe? We just want you to be safe." It's it's all it's all lies. It's all lies. It's yeah. all a power grab. It's what we've been saying from the beginning. Yeah, and I I really want to work on a timeline or maybe see if some somebody else has probably already constructed one and probably be better than what I can put together, but. You know, we started this out with uh, what was it? Two, two weeks, three weeks to to slow the spread was the initial. It was three weeks. Uh, three weeks to slow the spread was initially where we started in the spring of twenty 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 one, and or sorry, twenty twenty actually. Gosh, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's been is, that long. It's um, been two years. It, like that's not enough to get you to be like. Wait, yeah, what? <laughs> like my head's still thinking this is just a year, and it's like no, this we've been living this for two years. So spring of twenty twenty, it was three weeks to slow the spread, and there was the the rush for the vaccine. Not just America, but ev- everywhere else uh, had a rush to try and create a vaccine for it. Um, a lot of treatments early on were dismissed or thrown out, and I don't know. I don't know. Some of them seem to be tossed out for political reasons. Uh, you know, if Trump opened his mouth about something, then they would uh, they would go off on it, and that was the just end of it. Just because it was but just, just like, because it was Trump. Yeah, but it's like to this point, there still isn't a lot of treatment. I mean, vitamins and the monoclonal antibodies, but even some people scoff at those. And there have been some treatments that have come out, though. It's just that no one wants to acknowledge them because they just want people to get vaccinated so dang badly. Yep, that's usually where it falls. And it was, you know, we started three weeks to slow the spread and you know, the, the, everybody pushed through it, masking and social distancing, and then not so much masking and social distancing at some point. And then they were like, no, we're going to bring that back. And then it was two masks. Three masks would be better, uh, infamous Fauci quote. It just makes sense. 
And then shortly after that, they said that if you're vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask. And so a lot of people went out and got vaccines. And this was around uh, April, May. And then by the end of May, it was, no, this isn't working. You need to put masks back on. So everybody that went out and got masks, or sorry, that went and got vaccines, they could stop wearing masks, are now back in masks along with the unvaccinated. Um, and then the and, and then the, the administration starts to force, well, they make an announcement that people are the, the companies are going to be required for it and companies just go along and do it before anything even gets set in motion for the law and then the law gets hung up in the courts uh and that's it's still hung up in the courts at this point um but i think what's ended up bothering me over christmas again is that everybody has employee shortages right now we just this is true we just yes. went to kidoba and you know we go to kidoba <laughs> Pretty much, Pretty much every, every time. time I come. <laughs> but hats off to the two employees that were there knocking out I everybody's know. orders. They were only able to take online orders because probably most of the staff is sick <laughs> or is taking some sort of vacation right now. It's probably a mixture of the two. And uh, I, you drive around and you could probably find a half dozen places at least within mm, five, 10 minutes of your house, depending on where you live, of people that just don't have enough. Uh, me and some of my friends went looking for... Uh, some food one day and we went to like uh they 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 were they stopped by like mcdonald's they stopped by wendy's they even went and stopped by burger king we made like four or five stops before we found somebody that actually was open on a saturday afternoon and had employees and you just go through all that well delta ceo uh, this is just before christmas i believe delta ceo comes out and is like we're going to be facing some serious employee shortages and you know we'd like to make the recommendation basically that you reduce the uh, the quarantine period from 10 days to 5 days if they're not symptomatic or if they test out negative. And what happened 6 days later, CDC made some new recommendations for everybody. I wonder if this even is to political the, or not. Even to the, or money. It's just it, even people that have been like I think I was reading some CNN articles and some other like really left leaning ones that have been super pro vaccine are like uh, people are mad about the CDC's guidance and with good reason. And it's just like, I don't see the good reason if you're asymptomatic. Well, you no, that fine. people, people being mad at the CDC for just changing the guidelines to five uh, very arbitrarily and within a it's week it's almost after, like a lot of it i feel like was pretty arbitrary like i don't feel like much of it was incredibly science-based yeah i don't again i'm not a scientist i don't know this stuff i just use my common sense i just use my common sense and i think i was listening i was listening to ben shapiro and he gave some really good covid guidance you know and he's very you know pro he was very pro-mask in the beginning when we didn't have vaccines. And I actually understand that viewpoint. I get it. That's why I wasn't mm -hmm. like mad at people for wearing masks or anything. I was like, I was nope. like, well, I mean, at this point, let's just do what we can and, and see. But now that we have vaccines and things are getting better, here was his advice. He was like, okay, if you feel sick, don't go anywhere. That's it. That was the guy. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I plan on doing. He's like, I don't feel well. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm just not going to go anywhere. And then if I feel good, then I'll, then I'll leave. Yeah. And I, that's I wish, pretty much it. Uh, and, and that is one positive thing I can say that can come out of this because it was fairly common 
before COVID that if you felt sick, but it wasn't enough to keep you in bed, you know, you still went to work and did stuff. And of course you got other people sick. I will never forget volunteering uh, in the children's wing at my church when I was younger and a parent came in with their kid uh, and was just like, oh, and like the kid didn't look 100%. Like normally kids are bouncing off the walls, excited to be there Sunday morning, play and see their friends and stuff. See, and I got much more crying children. Tons of crying children. <laughs> <laughs> I had some. I just handed like, them Don't off. leave me here with this half Asian woman. Oh, man. Well, this these parents come in and the mother is just like, oh, she was, uh, she was throwing up yesterday, but it's been, you know, about, it's been a little over 12 hours and she hasn't thrown up since. Uh, so she should be good. And I was just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I would like to not have this. <laughs> like you're not, I was like, I'm not accepting her. You can't bring her in. Like there's just, there's no way. Like I'm, I don't want to get sick. I don't want any of these other kids to get sick. Why'd you even bring your kid to church? Like let them recover. My gosh, just stay home. It yeah. is not, God it's, is not going to strike you down for staying home because your, your kid child. had a freaking stomach bug. And it's like that type of stuff is like, I, I would sense. like, I would like that to stop. Yeah, no, that's common sense. That's like, okay. If I don't feel well, I should try to, I should stay home if I can, right? Mm-hmm. That's, and now my sister, she tells me that she had the flu during her finals um, when she was in college. <laughs> she had she had no choice. She's like, what choice do I oh, have? Oh, yeah, because college do what you do. doesn't um, budge an inch on that type of stuff. It really, now they, now they're snowflakes about it because of COVID. They're like, oh my gosh, you have sniffles? Just stay home, stay home. Stay don't go home anywhere. For the rest of the semester. But we just started three weeks ago. Stay home. Stay home. It's okay. Sorry. Stay home. Um, that's pretty much that's pretty much what happens. So college used to be cutthroat when it comes to sickness. No, it's not. <laughs> so it's just like, oh, what's happened? Uh yeah. And like the vaccine argument is really gone down with this latest variant. By the way, Christmas Day, I think the CDC actually reduced their their Omicron numbers. Not the COVID numbers. They they did reduce those a little bit. But the Omicron numbers, they reduced them from close to three quarters of the cases to just a little over a quarter. So it went down about 50%. They were like, yeah, sorry, we're wrong about that. So Omicron did not make up the most, at least as of Christmas Day. Yeah. I think by this point, it's definitely large enough. I think that it's definitely spreading, which I'm happy about. Listen, I'm not mad about a mild variant that's... You know, mild Still cold. providing immunity uh, for the rest of the um, predecessors right. of COVID. And Omicron has basically destroyed the Dems case. Like we have OSHA's um, emergency temporary standard, right? Mm-hmm. For um, COVID vaccination and testing uh, in the workplace for any uh, company that's over 100 employees, right? And so there is a longer uh, mandate. I didn't. I didn't read all of it because I knew what I needed to know from it. Uh, but there's also some trick language in there. And actually, Ben Shapiro actually does do a pretty good breakdown of it. And the reason why I do recommend him, I do like him, but I understand some people don't. But because he does do law, he understands it very, very well. And he breaks it down in a simpler way that you can understand without missing the details. So when it comes to law stuff, Ben is a good is a good resource for funnies. Crowder's not too bad. Um <laughs> So anyway, so it's really funny. Um, I'm bringing up that this Omicron is basically, it's basically a mild cold. I will say that my mild cold, it was a pretty real cold. I'm going to be honest. Like it was, you know, nose was running constantly for like two Mm. to three days. You know, I had some throat stuff, you know, the fatigue. Um, And actually the interesting thing about it was that it mimicked 
immune flare up because I have some immune issues. So at first, I thought it was immune flare up. Right. And then the next day came, and I was like, "Crap, <laughs> this isn't an immune flare up. This is more." Um, so again, I, that's why I'm. That's why I'm not the person that's like, "Wait, I have sniffles. I should stay home." It's like I always have some health issues, so I can't just stop my life if it could be COVID. Like there are times where I have to power through things. And that's just what you do as an adult, right? even health issues or no. Um, but anywho, I was reading their summary, OSHA summary. Um, and one of the reasons that they gave for the COVID-19 vaccination testing is that unvaccinated workers face grave danger. Grave danger. Mm. Okay. Unvaccinated workers are much more likely to contract and transmit COVID-19 in the workplace than vaccinated workers at this point. We actually don't know if this is true because of this new variant. Yeah, going uh, going back and forth on that. I think there were some uh, some ER doctors that came out and they were like, the majority of my patients that were in here were unvaccinated. And I was like, well, I know more than a half dozen people that got COVID over Christmas and none of them even went and saw a doctor. I was about the only one that went and got a test. So there were some people that did some at-home kits, but it's like I was about the only one that went and got a test, but that's because I was afraid it was going to be strep and I was going to be stuck with it. Right. through the entire holiday weekend before I could get a uh before I could get a prescription and right. uh I actually I never had any congestion at all still had a sore throat but I didn't have like any of the nasal drip or anything like that Did, is that what caused your sore throat you think um I'm or not, you didn't really get sore I did, throat, did no you? I did, you get, did a get it bit. okay but that went away pretty fast um compared to like the nose situation like I still have a little bit of a runny nose no one worry again it's the mono the one residual effect from the motto is that I always have a runny nose every morning mm. without fail. And that hasn't changed since I got <laughs> COVID. Uh, so um, I, I ended up having just kind of that fatigue and having that runny nose and stuffy. It was runny and stuffy at the same time, which never makes sense. It was such it's so bizarre. It's so weird. Have you ever used a neti pot before? No. I've, I, when you were talking about it, you're like, yeah, I'm going to use this thing. I'm just going to do it anyway. I was like. <laughs> what the heck is that? I was like, you know what? I'm just like, I don't care. Just <laughs> do what you want. I have no idea what this is. So uh, it's pretty much this deal where you, uh, it, it, I think it's like a saline rinse basically. That, and you got to make sure the water's like boiled or filtered. You can't just use tap water because you don't know what's in it. Um, but you pretty much just, it's pretty much like a saline rinse and you have to, I guess kind of it's almost like holding your nose like when you go underwater to keep the water from coming in mm. to your nose. Well, you do the same thing, but while you're shooting it up one of your nostrils to make sure that it comes out the other one and then you switch and go to the other side. It's not pleasant at all. Well, you know, I I, I got through mine without <laughs> that. So thanks. I will keep that in mind. And if I get desperate one day, I'll ask you how to do it. Um, well, the funny part for me is I did it be because I was like, uh, I'm coughing and it feels like my throat's getting tickled, but I don't have anything to cough up. There was no congestion. I could breathe through both nostrils perfectly. So I actually did have, um, your, our coughs were different because I had a productive cough mm -hmm. where there was actually, I was coughing. You were actually getting mucus up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nope. Yeah. I was not. Every um, now and then I'd get just a tiny bit. It, normally when you're sick, it comes out and it's like green or yellow or something really gross looking. And right. mine was almost completely clear every time. I was like, I don't get this. I've never had a cough yeah. quite like that. I mean, I've, I guess I've had dry coughs before, but like I had pertussis, whooping cough when I was younger. 
that okay. is by far the worst thing I've ever been sick with. Coughing to the point of not being able to inhale, also feeling like I'm going to throw up or starting to throw up um, and still coughing. It's just like, that's how far, like each cough would just give you a bigger one later on. And this one was super mild compared to that. Uh, it still wasn't pleasant. I didn't I wouldn't recommend it. Sure, uh, I'm not going to go out and try yeah. to go get it. I, I wouldn't say any of us were loving life while we were sick with it, but sure. it's just like, I, it didn't keep me down enough. Like I didn't stay in bed all day. I, I took more naps and, and rested up and, and stuff, but it's not it's not even close to the worst thing that I was sick with. Yeah. Nope. That makes sense. Uh, but to, to your point about like the people being hospitalized who are unvaccinated, that makes a lot of sense because again, I have the viewpoint that there are some people who do need to be vaccinated. That has to be their choice, but there are older people who are not vaccinated. And if you're older and you are more at risk and you're unvaccinated, you get COVID. I do think that there's a greater potential that you're going to end up in the ER. Um, but with people who are like your friends who are younger, they can be unvaccinated and they get it, and then they're fine. Like mm -hmm. so, we have to look at the different demographics. I think both of those things are true at the same time. Well, and just the other variables. That was probably the most frustrating thing for me was this ER doctor that comes in and is just like, most of my patients have been unvaccinated. And I was like, what is the age range for them? What is the health condition? Are they obese? Are they not? Do they have other underlying symptoms? Did they come in for COVID, or did they show up with something else and they happen to have COVID? Just the fact there's that so many questions that need to be they asked. They just focus there. on a single variable. It's so irritating and it's and it's the, the, the variables have only increased ever since vaccines were introduced because in America we have three different vaccines. So uh, the initial statistics we start out with, and this isn't even talking about ra uh, race, age, gender, uh, weight, height, any of the other variables that might be playing into this. Heck, even blood type is potentially one of the one of the other variables that they seem to they seem to find. And. It's the most simple. It was like people that had COVID and people that hadn't had it yet. And those were kind of your two groups. And, and then there were, and then the vaccines got introduced, right? Mm -hmm. But they yep. introduced three of them and one of them's one shot and two of them are two shots. So now you have unvaccinated and then you, well, you have, okay, well, you have unvaccinated who haven't got it and unvaccinated who have got COVID. And then you have vaccinated individuals who haven't got COVID and vaccinated individuals that do have COVID. And amongst the vaccinated, there's three different types. And some of them could get COVID in between shots because it takes two weeks before you get your second shot. And then I think it's four weeks after that before you hit uh, peak immunity. And it just all of it just keeps changing. And then it was, which variant did you get? I, I don't just know. feel like sometimes health officials okay all the time i feel like they just treat us like we're stupid it's like do you not think that we have more of a brain capacity than those there's still a difference between unvaccinated and vaccinated <laughs> also different age groups and also underlying health conditions like it's a laughable joke they can't with a study they're like oh like oh it just shows that there's a link between you know how bad you get covid and obesity no way really well, I'm since, so shocked. <laughs> since like, obesity was already its own health crisis beforehand. Yes. Like, again, okay, with this vaccine mandate. And, you, and I'm, I'm going to clarify. We were talking about real obesity, not the, the stupid BMI charts, which are like, yes. if you're five foot 10 and you weigh you know 200 pounds, but it's all muscle, you're right. obese. No, right. that one doesn't make sense. You got to like actually get tested for that stuff. We're talking about legitimately obese people that end up having cholesterol, blood sugar uh problems you're 
your fat versus muscle ratio is way off. You have breathing issues, heart issues. The list goes on and on and on. Right. Like, and that's, a, again, a legitimate health concern. And the fact they want to turn away unvaccinated individuals because they just didn't do the right thing. Okay, fine. Do that for people who are obese too. Do that for smokers. Do that for anyone who doesn't do the right health things that they're supposed to. If you're going to make mm-hmm. a rule for unvaccinated people, you have to make that rule across the board. And of course, it's absurd to do that. It's absurd to do that. Like, okay, we're going we're gonna to help you. We're going to help you anyway. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of people who have gotten COVID who have been obese and it has a harder effect on them. I it think will. their body isn't as their body isn't as healthy. Um, and Any, Anything they get will have a harder effect on them. Right. Like that's just across the board. I can't think of anything that you could get that being obese and unhealthy would give you an advantage over. Right. In fact, I'd, I'd be willing to, to risk a major bet on that. There is nothing. It's, it's, being, being unhealthy is a detriment to anything that's going to try and make you like more unhealthy, basically. Yeah. And listen... If you have gotten the vaccine, good for you. Good for you. But if you want to be even more protected, look at the way that you're living your life. Look at how much sleep you're getting. Look at what kind of nutrients you're putting into your body. Ask yourself, are you priming yourself to be healthy? And if you're not, you should. I think everyone should. This is something that we should be focused on in America, and no one wants to talk about it. The health officials don't want to talk about it because they want, I think they want, the government wants you, I think the government wants you to be fat. And they want you to be dependent on them. Well, I think even you could even push the idea, and this is this is where it gets in a little bit of a conspiratorial uh, realm. But uh, hospitals and health systems and all that—they're not benefiting if you get healthy and in shape and take care of yourself. They're benefiting if you keep eating McDonald's six, seven times a week, and you're eating Cheetos and Twinkies and Krispy Kremes, and you just you just consume sugar and unhealthy foods. You just consume sugar and carbs and saturated fats and all the other different things that they have out there that are not good for you. Well, this is this was I can't remember who told me this initially. It was like, okay, people are complaining because you you want to shop at Whole Foods or something like that, and you want to get good, healthy, organic food. And everybody's like, it's expensive. It's like, well, you want to play the short or the long term game. Right now, you can play the short-term game. You can get the uh, just the super-processed uh, milk that costs you like three, four bucks a gallon, or you can get the organic milk that costs you around eight dollars a gallon. I know it's twice as expensive, but you know it's even more expensive in the future. Your medical bills. And you don't even have to make that huge of a switch. Like you can still go. Like I don't go to a Whole Foods. I can, uh, I, I just can, use them as right, an example. exactly. But if you want to go like in the middle and be like, I just want to have like fruits and vegetables with my meats, you know, chicken. We, I mean, most young people know this. Chicken's fairly inexpensive. Like, it's kind of the thing if you want a yep. protein, that's what you get. Um, there's so much you can do with chicken. There's so much you can do with really um, nourishing foods where you need less of those empty carbs. And you can actually maybe eat less but still be more full because of the type of food that you're taking mm-hmm. in. And that goes into another conversation about health, which I am not necessarily experienced on, but I, I've done a little bit on it just because of my own health issues but all that to say just just be healthy i don't i mean you have to want it like and that's the thing like i've always i don't know like if we've we've kind of like touched on it a little bit but Mm -hmm. i always think about like growing up and like having my own kids and i want to be like I'm, my body's going to go through a lot because I'll have to give birth. Um, right. If, and you, well, I, okay. That's even a better argument for it. You yeah. want to be ready to go through that. 
the the women that I've seen that usually recover the best, you know, growing up because it was just like so many people were getting pregnant and having kids. Yeah. <laughs> and with the age range of my family, it was like they, we never it was like my mom was pregnant most of the time. And there was usually somebody in the church that was going to be pregnant with a kid that would be one of their age. And the ones that recovered the fastest were the ones that took care of themselves really, really well. It's one yeah, lady. I'll bounce never back way faster yeah. just because your body's in better shape uh, to repair itself. And of mm-hmm. course, you know, giving birth is a lot of trauma on a woman's body. So, you know, rest and give it what it needs. Um, don't rush into anything. But I already decided a couple of years ago, I was like, I want to give my body the best chance mm-hmm. at not just being healthy so I can bounce back and look good in a bikini, but it's really just about being healthy and be like, I want to be there as much as I can for my kids, for my husband. And you want to be healthy too, to help take care of, of Preston, help take care of your children, yep. be active with them. Um, these are long-term goals that, and then teach your kids to want to be healthy too. Um, and get them away from the dang iPad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's, this is, again, this is a whole connection with, I think there's nothing wrong with wanting comfort. Like I think comfort comes with the empty carbs. Like I, we all love a good bag of Cheetos. We all love a good thing of candy. Like there's nothing wrong with wanting those comfort foods, but it's the overindulgence in comfort that ultimately could lead to our death. And I mm. feel like that's sometimes what happens with COVID is like we so desperately want to be comfortable and safe that we neglect all else. And before we know it, we might actually just be dying <laughs> in different ways, um, and we don't even we don't even realize it. And that's kind of what I'm hoping Americans will wake up to and be like, okay, the government is not going to take care of us. No, duh, they're not going to take care of you. The founding father set up so that we could, you know, give us the independence to take care of ourselves. Um, and be like, oh crap, they broke all their promises, and they were and they were making promises they couldn't keep in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, And so the question is, like, they have to take it into their own hands and be like, am I going to keep listening to this or am I going to listen to common sense? You don't even have to be religious to just use, (laughs) you know, use your brain. There's plenty of non-religious people, you know, doctors that have gotten um, suspended off of Twitter for talking about vaccinations Mm -hmm. um, who have way more intelligence on this subject than we do, who use common sense, use their intellect to be like, hey, something's, something's off here. Um, and maybe we can talk about those doctors that have gotten taken off of taken off of Twitter mm-hmm. um, so that you can, you know, the only reason why you're following the science is because you, you know, you kill off all the other other <laughs> ideas of, of what of what COVID could be. Yeah, it's, it's like at this point, the, the the arguments that they've they've fallen from for the vaccine was initially that it would stop. You wouldn't be able to transmit it if you had the vaccine. Well, that's turned out to be completely false. It's not stopping it. Like other vaccines, uh, from what I was looking up, uh, MMR, the Tdap vaccine, I mean, even the smallpox vaccine, like all of those, what they did is they stopped the transmission of it. And that's why they either don't exist today or virtually don't exist is because it stops the transmission. The only time that you ended up with less than side effects was if you got the vaccine while you were already infected with something. If you got the MMR while you had like measles or mumps or, or rubella for that matter, and you had any of those already and then you got the vaccine, it, there was a chance that it would probably just lessen the symptoms for you. So given those are like the, the regular ones that we see as a, as a vaccine, um, and now we have this one in which they seem to be just changing the definitions of stuff all the time. Uh, you even mentioned one earlier, but it's like, 
the vaccines were preventing people from getting sick there or they were preventing it from spreading. And I would accept either one, but now it's like, you just, maybe you won't go to the hospital is basically what they've come down to. And that is two, three shots in people are still getting sick. People are still going to the hospital and more than anything, it's still transmitting and it's still right. changing. And I think I mentioned the, the bingo, uh, the 2020 bingo, 2022 bingo board, and it's like one <laughs> of the squares <laughs> on it. One of the squares on it was uh, a new COVID strain. And like three, four days in, and France has a new COVID strain. And I was like, oh, I'm going to mark that one off. Here we go. And, and I think it, it does just people. This is this is likely to be endemic at this point. It's going to be ongoing. Right. And, and I think but we can't keep going like this. No, we can't. Um, but there are still going to be people that are going to try to control uh, from the top. And man, I hope it's not too late um, for people to realize it where I'm like, listen, if people want to join this cause, say, hey, I want to have freedom after being to a certain extent, I think there has been a level of brainwash for sure. And be like, you know, hey, it's okay for your mm-hmm. past mistakes. You're here now. Like, let's, I'll, I'll bind with anyone that wants to be like, yeah, I'm done with this. I did everything they asked and it still wasn't enough. And I still got COVID. It's like, Okay, well, you know, let's just take let's just take our freedom back and take away and take back our choice to choose, you know, what goes what goes in our body and actually use some common sense about whether or not to get this quote unquote vaccine. Mm-hmm. Again, I think it's a lesser it lessens symptoms, which I can accept that, but let's not pretend like this thing stops transmission and that every single person in America needs it when maybe we could actually give it to countries that aren't as vaccinated where they might have some older populations. That, that is another that is another money trail problem that uh, third world countries have not received very much uh, of these vaccinations, which they are supposed to be getting. While, but while, uh, while they're not getting them, we're getting booster shots, third and fourth rounds of shots. You know, I say third and fourth, uh, clarify, first, second shot for Moderna Pfizer. And then there's been... Uh, one wave of booster and I know people that have gotten a second booster. So it's like it's had four never, shots at this point. It hasn't even been a year since what was the it vaccine that, What was it that actually changed it to, you were saying earlier? Um, it wasn't, you should not have the term be fully vaccinated, but up to but up to date on shots. There you go. So it basically means, listen, you're going to, if you're going to keep going with this COVID vaccine thing, that's fine. You're just going to be getting boosters for the rest of your life. I am not kidding. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, if you are going for your fourth, they're probably going to have a fourth booster by March. So that's four shots in one year. That's four shots in one year. Plus, we have this mandate for a vaccine that doesn't even stop transmission. And quote unquote, unvaccinated workers are facing grave danger, apparently. Um, Thanks, OSHA. Uh, Glad to know I'm in in, um, grave danger. So it's... It's never going to end. We all like we all should know it's not going to end. Um, and I truly can't understand the mindset of just do what they say. If we just do what they say, we're gonna be free. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, no, <laughs> I don't <laughs> think so. I could be wrong, but I'm I mean, not. a lot of you guys have been doing what they say since you know day one. And uh, how how free are you feeling compared to before? I said this about two weeks in. I was like, this is never going to end. And I got backlash for it. Mm-hmm. And then I remember saying you know, to, to, to someone, I was like, hey, remember I said, there's no end to this. <laughs> and the implication was, 
I was right because it wasn't hard to see. Yep. It wasn't hard to see because if you look at history, tyrants just don't give back freedom once you give it to them. No, they don't. Well, even if they weren't tyrants before, they've had they've had those studies before. It was like, all right, we're going to give some of these students uh, or these participants, you know, all the power. They're running everything. And it doesn't take very long before they're abusing it on everybody. It's almost like, again, it's human... It's human nature. The founding fathers understood this. As I am now reading in the Federalist Papers, they completely understood this is why they made the system the way that it is. They did the best they could with it. Maybe you don't like all of it, you mm-hmm. know, but you got to give them some props for putting together an entire government system. Like that's pretty dope if you think about it. Um, mm-hmm. There's an entire book on how to, <laughs> on why they did it. So that's pretty, um, that's, that's pretty incredible. But people don't just give back power. And that's the thing about leftists I find interesting or even liberals. Um, <laughs> oop, there's that COVID. Yep. Um, <laughs> but, and even with people who are very empathetic and compassionate, which I appreciate that quality in them, but they almost assume the best of people. And see, some would call me a pessimist. I just think that I believe in the depravity of man. And I just understand that if you, when, so when you have compassionate and empathetic people, like I just assume that they have the best intentions. I don't always assume that. No. I don't. There's some people I do. There's some people I don't. And if you assume everyone has good intentions, you miss the nature of man that, again, abuses that power they're not just going to give it back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you have a whole population of people that are like, love, compassion, empathy, I'm all for those things and for love, compassion, and empathy with the correct terms. I don't think that they're using the correct terms for those words. That's just my or, opinion. No, I, maybe they are, but if they are, I think they're, they're delusional about it. Yes, I think that's, that's one of the, that is one of the defining traits is that when you do tend to be more on the left, you do tend to have more empathy and sympathy than those who are on the right. And that doesn't seem to be something you choose politically. It's more like that's how you are. So you align with either the right or left more, um, at least from when Dr. Uh, Jordan Peterson's talked about it, and he breaks down how people's uh, temperaments and personalities are more of a dictator for what uh whether you end up conservative or liberal um but i think we talked about this a little bit before when it came um to what type of government that people want running and why why socialism is so prevalent amongst the left and i think that it is so prevalent because they inherently believe that people are naturally good and i don't believe that therefore a so a socialism type of society would it wouldn't work yeah, um, because I believe that people on the ground, people like you and me, like that are, <coughs> mm, there it is, <laughs> um, more uh, empathetic and young, like millennial, like us. I do think that they do have good intentions. People in government, no, nope. they they know. I feel like they know exactly what they're doing. They, they know exactly what they're doing and they have a taste of power and they want it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are using those people that have empathy and compassion for their own gain because the ones in government, they're not going to suffer for it. It's going to be the people on the ground that are going to suffer for it. Right. Um, and that's why I, I try to warn people because I'm like, I understand that you care and I care too. Don't get me wrong. I care. I just know that this method isn't actually going to work. Um, and we can, I guess, you know, debate it back and forth. And I'm always up to, Talk about talk about concepts um, with people that 
you know, don't agree. I think that's actually the most fun, <laughs> but <laughs> I always, I always enjoy when you and I get into some stuff that we, we don't necessarily agree with. Yeah. It, it pushes us, it pushes the bounds of our thinking and, and helps us to see things from a different, uh, a different perspective. It does. And I think a lot of people, even conservatives and liberals, leftists, independents alike, we all live in a bubble of people that agree with us. And that's all good to a certain extent, but you got to talk to people that don't have the same views or even variations Mm -hmm. of the same view. Yeah, because you need to make sure of what your stance is and where you're at. And if you don't get those outside perspectives, you don't see it from somebody else's point of view where they've walked, you know, miles in a different set of shoes than you have, and they've experienced things different than you, then you don't really, you just have a very finite and niche perspective on a much broader picture than you're aware of. And the same is for them too, because they need to be able to listen to where you're coming from and your experiences and how you see things. Um, and, and you know, those are the most fun conversations if they can stay civil, which is what we started this all on is that you and me knew that we didn't agree on everything. We would run into disagreements, but we would still be friends afterwards. And we very unlikely to get heated and then hate each other afterwards. No, I'm not going to say it's impossible. <laughs> no, like honestly, that's the fun though, is that you can have an intense conversation, mm-hmm. right? Like I think... I was watching a C.S. Lewis uh, documentary that kind of goes through his life and how he and his roommates or like his colleagues in his younger days, would, you know, it seemed like they had really intense conversations about God where it did get intense and not necessarily heated, but they all still cared about each other. But they just mm-hmm. understood that the topic itself was of great importance. And so they kind of gave it the intensity dare I say that it deserved. Um, and so there's no doubt that, you know, you and I will get intense about certain things, but by no means, I mean that we hate each other. And I just wish that I wish that people, I wish that people could do the same. I wish that we could still have, like, I miss the idea of like a, a, a thinking club of like just having a night, like once a month where you get some people around a table with some tea or coffee and sit down and talk about different ideas with people that have different thoughts on it. And just having like that to me just seems like so fun, like with the understanding of being civil and just wanting to think together and learn and maybe even get your own point of view proven wrong on mm-hmm. the spot. Um, that's pretty, it's pretty, it shows something about a person when they can be like, oh, wow, I think I might be wrong about that. Let me think on it. Right. And really evaluate what you're saying and maybe come to the conclusion that they were wrong. Like, that takes a lot of humility. That's actually a learning spirit. I feel like there's been some points where I've been moved a little bit, where I've been like, okay, let me think about this. Maybe I am just looking at it because from my own perspective, like, I've only lived, I'm a middle class, you know, suburb girl. Maybe I should rethink some of how I feel about different race issues. Or like, okay, let me, let me just think on this. Like, let me, let me, have, let me have a moment to just, to just take all this in. And so other people's perspectives can help. That doesn't mean that you 100% change yours, but it gives it more body, um, your perspective more body uh, if it if it needs it. Mm-hmm. I just want people to be civil because I like having fun conversations where, you know, where, where, where people disagree. It can be a lot of fun, but it's not fun anymore. It just seems like dreadful. It, it became really tribal thanks to the internet. Um, I think that really messed with a lot of things, especially when the uh, the zingers and the gotcha videos and the, 
you know, so and so destroys leftists or 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 Trump supporter. Like the, the, all these different videos come out, and when you have that type of stigma going around, because you basically want to be right and you want to be so right that you can just destroy the competition and just utterly defeat them. Uh, people do not like to admit that they're wrong because they lose that spotlight. Yeah, you do. I mean, it's our pride, too. I mean, again, mm-hmm. another human nature situation. We all we all want to look good. <laughs> we all want to have that pride. And then when someone comes in and is like, oh, maybe that might not be it. Let me show you X, Y, and Z. You have two choices. You can get super defensive, and most people double down on their bad on their bad point of view and it ends up making them look really foolish and really silly uh, because when someone points out the fact you're like and you're like wait no i wasn't ready i don't know that they would look foolish when they double down um, if they're if, wrong if, if they can you know, i mean if they can admit well i mean i guess i guess it depends on how you see doubling down versus admitting you're wrong so those I are would two different a- those are two different things like doubling down on your viewpoint when it's if so say if i say um Connor, you know, I think that 30% of dogs are white, okay? And you're like, Jordan, actually, this incredibly in-depth study says that they're 80% white. Mm-hmm. And I'm so, like, like, I'm like, no, no, they're 30%. Here's why, because I see, I see a lot of white dogs. Actually, excuse me, I'd see it the other way. I, say, I don't see as many white dogs. I see a lot more black and brown dogs. And from my experience, no, there's only 30%. And like, I think that your data is skewed and that you're only doing it from a swap, blah, blah, blah. And I go into all of this stuff when you're like, no, Jordan, 80% of them, 80% of them are white. It's kind of that kind of situation where it's fact after fact kind of proves okay. that that viewpoint is incorrect. Um, it's getting really obvious, but you keep doubling down because you don't want to turn back and, and say that you were wrong. Okay. I've always seen doubling down as just being like, you kind of just admit defeat, but it's not. It doesn't, it didn't ever have the type of humility if it was, you know, like we'll say first, second interaction. Like you mentioned with a friend where you guys, uh, I think your friend had said something about a statistic and, uh, or about one of the, one of the vaccines. And then you checked it with him and we're like, eh, I guess it's not. And it's just like, okay, I guess I was wrong. As I, I don't, I don't see that so much as doubling down. That one's more that's humility. Not, that's not doubling, doubling down, down would be like, keep going. Um, but then there's people that, don't ever admit they're wrong, even if they are presented with all these different things. And they're kind of, and is they just point, keep hold to it. And there is a point too where, like, Proverbs does say, and you have to discern when someone's a fool and when they're not. It's like if this person just refuses to listen um, and and doesn't want to hear any kind of truth or any kind of of wisdom, <laughs> so there is a point where you kind of walk away and you say, okay. I'm not going to argue with you about this anymore. I'm going to talk to someone else like, cause you've already done all you can and not even like not talking about like vaccines either. You can oh, just anything. Right. But like just with biblical truth or like, you know, the Bible, if, if you're, a, if you're a Christian, well, the Bible clearly says one thing, but they refuse to do that thing or they're living in sin and they, and they, and you present them with all the reasons that they ought not to, and they still choose to, you know, you're mm. still in their life and you still and you still pray for them and you still check in on them, but to a certain extent you kinda have to let go. But again, you know, each again, discernment for each situation uh that you're in. Yeah, what is uh I wanna make sure I have this right. 
Yeah, uh, Matthew 7, verse 6, do not give that which is holy to dogs and do not throw your pearls before pigs and they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. And I guess it it could be getting used out of context because I'd need to read around the rest of this uh, verse. But I mean, that's been a fairly common saying not to throw your pearls to swine because they will just eat it and they get wasted something that's valuable. And that's, I guess in this sense, is like, this is... Wisdom is described as treasure, mm-hmm. um, you know, worth more than, you know, silver and gold. Um, it is precious and valuable. And if someone doesn't want it, you know, it's like be there for them, care about them. You're wasting, but if you keep at it, you're wasting your your time, energy, resources when there could be somebody else that's more accepting to learn and even still disagree with you. But I, I would I would consider that time uh, more valuable than just arguing with somebody that is just dead set, not going to agree to you, agree with you, or even agree to part of what you're saying, or even listen to it simply because. You're a man, or you're a woman, or you're a Republican, or a Democrat. You voted for Trump. You didn't vote for Trump. You're vaccinated. You're not vaccinated. <laughs> it's, like, right. it's like all these different things where it's like everything's become just supremely tribal, where if you are this, then I don't listen to you. You are an awful human being in all areas of life. You couldn't possibly be good. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of the... That is... I want to say that's the way the media narrates it, but no, that is my experience on social media. Yeah, and that can happen interacting with, with people. That can happen with like conservatives as well, and basically. Like, oh yeah, it's not limited to any one group. Oh yeah, everybody. for sure. Because because I I consider myself conservative. I think you consider yourself conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, but I try not to fall into tribalism. Like I try. Like maybe someone's like Jordan. That's not true. I see you. I'm like okay. Well, you can let me know. <laughs> you just sit down with me. Let me know what I'm doing, and I'll value. I'll evaluate what you what you have to say. But I'm pretty open and honest when I really feel like. I don't like what these conservatives have done, or I don't think that this was the godly move. I don't. I was like, I think that this is actually a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mind saying that, where I'm like, yeah, this is this is not good. But I'm, I tend, again, I tend to lean towards conservatives um, just because they line up with my viewpoints. But that doesn't mean that I believe everything that they say, because there's actually quite a bit of varying viewpoints like among conservatives as mm-hmm. well like even with afghanistan about whether or not we should have withdrawn you know let's put aside what biden did like there has been a great discussion on whether or not we should have stayed in afghanistan you know obviously right. withdrawing well uh, would have been a key point would have been to optimal that. um but conservatives disagree on that you know mm-hmm. and and there's good different reasons for it and then you can talk that through um so again you know tribalism i don't know it's not I feel like leftists can tend to go for it a little bit more. I I do feel like there's some more brainwashing. And I want to make it very clear. Leftists and liberals, not the same thing. No. Um, so I'm talking about leftists because they get very culty sometimes. Very culty. Yes. <laughs> uh, again, that is leftists. Leftists, not liberals. Mm-hmm. Um, they can be kind of a lot. But anyway, let's kind of move in to before we move into some of the fun stuff that connor has um talked a little (laughs) bit about i want to talk a little bit about our children um i think that this is actually a topic that needs to be discussed more i think virginia put a good light on it um there was a test 
there was a study done on 255 babies born at New York Presbyterian's Morgan Stanley's Children's Hospital and Allen Hospital between March and December of 2020. Um, and they ended up publishing this journal. And the doctor, I don't know really how to say her last name. I think it's Dimitru. Dimitru. Um, Dimitru. There we go. I got it. But she says... That infants born to mothers who have viral infections during pregnancy have a higher risk of neurodevelopment de deficits. So we thought we would we would find some changes in the neurodevelopment of babies whose mothers had COVID during pregnancy. Um, she is uh, Dr. Danny Dimitru, is an assistant professor of pediatrics and psychiatry at Columbia University. Um, and there's oh. And she, Oh, it's just such a long title. I'm not going to go through all that. <laughs> we were surprised <laughs> to find absolutely no signal suggesting that exposure to COVID while in utero was linked to neurodevelopmental deficits. Rather, being in the womb of a mother experiencing the pandemic was as associated with slightly lower scores in areas such as motor and social skills, though not in others, such as communication or problem-solving skills. The results suggest that the huge amount of stress felt by pregnant mothers during these unprecedented times may have played a role. Um, so again, from from infants, we are seeing a little bit of um, kind of a decline with those skills. And what they do recommend, which is the best, I'm not going to read the whole study. I'm trying to, wait, where did it go? It was in here. Okay, well, basically what the study they're recommending is like, make sure you have playtime with them with no mask on it's like really <laughs> i didn't know that like how um, we've done for centuries <laughs> yes um but the whole study it's on uh columbia university um, irving medical center so you can go take a look at it there um but just thinking about our kids again and of course we have chicago schools i believe those are closing down because of the unions so <sighs> that's a lot of fun stuff that's a lot of fun stuff there um yeah, keep keep an eye out for our kids because they're the ones that suffer the most for our stupid decisions. Mm -hmm. um, there is no doubt in my mind at this point that the most vulnerable group we have in America are these children um, who are going to be suffering quite a bit from this, and we have no idea what the damage could be as they get no, older, I and that no scares me. No measurement for that. Yeah, so bring us home with some fun stuff, Connor. What fun things Let's have happened in the internet? I have a few, actually. Uh, there's a little back and forth uh, for the Australian Open uh, regarding vaccine mandates, and this will just be our transition to irony. Uh, but the number one tennis player, uh, Novak, uh, Novak Djokovic, uh, was granted a vaccine exemption after he had documents that proved that he had already been sick and gotten over it in, like, I think, early December. Well, they granted him the exemption, and then he gets to Australia, and then they were like, you're not vaccinated, so off to detention camp you go. What? Yeah, there we go. This is actually from CNN. Novak Djokovic was granted vaccine exemption after testing positive for COVID-19 in December. Court documents show. And as we run into this, Melbourne, Australia, CNN division, uh, Novak Djokovic was granted a medical exemption to compete in the Australian Open as he had recently recovered from COVID-19, documents published on Saturday by Australia's Federal Circuit Court show. The development comes as the tennis player, who's number one in the world, is confined to a temporary detention facility in Melbourne as he mounts a desperate legal challenge against the cancellation of his visa ahead of the tournament. 
Mr. Djokovic has received on the 30th of December 2021 a letter from the Chief Medical Officer of Tennis Australia recording that he had been provided with the medical exemption from COVID vaccination on the grounds that he had recently recovered from COVID, the document said. Djokovic's first COVID positive PCR test was recorded in December 16th. Uh, are on December 16th, 2021, and after not showing signs of a fever or respiratory symptoms, he later applied for a medical exemption to compete in the Australian Open, according to the court filing. Uh, so basically, he gets initially, so initially, the Australian Open had said, uh, if you're not vaccinated, you can't play. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're, if you're Mr. Djokovic or if you're, you know, one of the lower, uh, lower ranked tennis players, you're not playing. And then, you know, they've been saying no exemption, no exemption. Then he gets an exemption and then he, he gets there and then they're like, yeah, it doesn't fly. You need to get vaccinated. And of course he says, no, he's not the only tennis player that ended up in this detention facility, by the way. Uh, these buildings are basically ones that were built to house. Uh, initially it was meant to, if I believe, if I'm correct, it was only meant for travelers from abroad. If they, it always uh, starts off small. If they needed to quarantine, it? yeah. Well, now they're out arresting citizens at this point. That is Australia, uh, and they're not the only country doing that, by the way. So, um, condolences to our brothers and sisters in Australia. Our prayers are with you. Uh, the protests have been awesome to watch. Uh, the confrontations uh, between anybody that is tired of the government just. <laughs> <laughs> sorry anybody <COVID. laughs> yeah anybody from the government that is just straight out oppressing me you have police making random door knocks to come and check on uh to come and check your vaccination status they even i watched a video the other day of them showing up at somebody's house because he posted something saying the government wasn't their friend and you know that people should basically be wary of it uh, the cops showed up without a warrant Asking if he posted this social media, and he was just like, "What? Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing here? Under what grounds are you here to accuse?" And he pretty much chased them off with arguments. They just ended up leaving as soon as he had the slightest bit of uh, defense against them. Yeah, he's right though. For wherever you are, government's not your friend. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's what's happening outside of America. Brief look into Australia. You guys can look into it yourself. What about here? Here, we're not quite at police door knocking yet, but... Well, just a fun story from here. Fun story from here? Well, you have a couple. So there's uh, there's some good programs coming along that are suggesting four-day work weeks are actually a good idea. And that what? people seem to be more invigorated for work when they have a three-day weekend and they can actually rest, get things done, and enjoy their life instead of working 40 hours a week. By the way, you keep the same type of pay. So there's a couple companies... Ooh. Uh, that are keeping it permanently, and there's some other ones that are experimenting with it. Um, I wish that I had the name of the group that's helping run the tests. Let me see. I'll see if I can find it later. Um, there is an organization, Four Day Week Global. They're the ones that are running tests for four-day work weeks around the world. So... If you guys are interested in that and you want to propose it to your uh, boss, <laughs> your company, <laughs> uh, it seems it seems to be interesting. I don't know that they're extending. Like I've heard of extensions before, where instead of doing uh, five days of eight hours, you would do four days of forty of ten hours. So you still get your forty hours in, but then you get a three day weekend. Doesn't sound awful to me. Um, but I thought that was interesting. Next up, we have Trump to launch his social media platform hey. on President's Day. Truth Social. I think it's like one of the 
<laughs> it's just a lame name. I, it is. I don't like it at all. I'm sure someone tried to tell him, and he's like, no. He's just going to go this with it. This is it. They're like, all right. <laughs> okay, I mean, man. I'll go look at it and see what's up. But I mean, I have not really even been. I, I ventured out and checked out a couple other platforms, and I just, I don't care at this at this point in time. Um, yeah, I thought I thought that was kind of funny. So President's Day, everybody be looking out for his social media. We'll see how it does competing. I'm really interested to see how the launch goes and how many users they get off the bat. Yeah. Uh, because recently, after a Joe Rogan podcast, there was a bunch of people. Like I think around half a million. It might have been more than that, actually. Uh, left Twitter, and I think it was Gab that they went to. It might be a different one. It's another microblogging site. Um, but there was a big exodus because of um, some of Joe Rogan's um, guests who had been banned off of Twitter for basically being outspoken against COVID stuff. Uh, waiting for a little bit more of that to develop and see if they're permanent bans or if they're temporary bans because sometimes mm, people get yeah. slaps on the wrist and sometimes they're just gone um but i think the final just the irony the icing <laughs> on the cake and i'm gonna put this up on the tv here uh jordan do we're, you... we're in a new spot today by the way so we have way to couches. rearrange we're not the only ones working today <laughs> <laughs> jordan do you care to read the title of this article Sure. It says Penn's transgender swimmer lost to Yale's transgender swimmer in a hotly contested women's Ivy League 100 meter race. (laughs) 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 Oh, that's the worst part is not being able to laugh. Yeah, I oh that came gosh. across my screen. Uh, where can they find this? This is uh this article is from Outkick, but I imagine there's gonna be quite a few on this one. Oh my or none. It could go either way, actually. This is this is sweet this is sweet revenge. I gotta admit, this feels so right. revenge is, or irony. It just feels I don't, I don't right. Know. Like it just feels like they deserve this kick in the face where they wanted to compete against women so that they can win. And I, and I and bet you their records these... are way above everybody else. Oh, yeah. But then they end up just competing against another man anyway. <laughs> I'm crying. It's too much. It's too good. Oh, Penn transgender swimmer Leah Thomas, who had been crushing her competition since joining the women's <laughs> swim team after three years swimming as a biological male, met her match Saturday in the 100-meter freestyle during a tri-meet with Yale and Dartmouth. Thomas won the 200-meter and 500-meter races at Penn's final home meet of the season, but she finished sixth in the 100-meter where Yale's, uh, I guess that's Isaac, I've never seen it spelled that way, Isaac Hennig, a transgender swimmer who is in the process of transitioning from female to male, not even done, in the process, um, crushed Thomas. Hennig finished the 100, uh, I guess the 100 meter race in 49.57 seconds, while Thomas touched the wall at 52.84. Wait a minute. So hang on, go back up. So this still lost to six other girls actually. But this, but this second one, this other transgender swimmer is female to male. That is weird. Okay, that's even better. That's that, almost okay. That I didn't even catch that when I read through it. No, yeah, you're right. Ma- female to male, just be a male. To a female, female to male. a female still beat <laughs> this guy. Okay, so either way, it's hilarious. Wow, 
Uh, and in the hundred, he only placed what I think I said that he finished sixth. Yeah, Thomas finished sixth. And so the there's other women <clears throat> that also beat him. Yep. <sighs> yeah. But somehow oh, he won the. Okay, I mean, no, that doesn't make sense to me. He won the two hundred and the five hundred, and then lost the one hundred. So I guess better stamina and not as much. Uh, I, don't, I don't even know what you would call that in the Just beginning. Like a burst, yeah. Like, because you because you know that up. you're going a shorter distance, so you're gonna give it a bit more power. Wow, what a fun time! <laughs> Wait a minute, uh, I wasn't prepared for that. Everything is messed up. I can't wrap my head around this. The NCAA needs to do something about this. They need to put. Science into the decision and discussion. A pen swimmer parent told the Daily Mail. They're not wrong about that. In the 400 freestyle relay, Thomas was beaten yet again by Hennig, who swam his leg in 50.45 to Thomas's 51.94. And the pictures, they just... So that must be the male to female. Yeah, And that is the female to male. So already looking a lot more masculine due to the... uh, I'm gonna guess the transition. Uh, yeah, because you can tell, like, just hormones. the way that the shoulders are, that she's definitely been taking a lot of testosterone. Mm-hmm. Um, so she is gonna have an up um, on her female mm-hmm. competitors as well. Like, it's messed up both ways. <laughs> yeah, it's it looks super like, messed up. Uh, spectators, I, I'm just gonna read through some more of this because this is just too intriguing. I want to find out what other details are in this. Uh, spectators in attendance told the Daily Mail that Hennig, who had his breasts removed, won the 50-yard freestyle and proceeded to pull down the top of his swimsuit. What? Oh my in gosh. June, okay. Hennig wrote in a New York Times column that he wasn't taking hormones and would remain on the women's team. Hmm. What? This is, this is just getting too confusing this at this point. This is too weird. I think Hennig is the female-to-male transition Yes. Mm-hmm. Who's staying on the women's team? But also claims that she's not taking hormones, which. But had her breasts removed. But I'm just. Go back up to the picture. So, so she removed the drag in the water, basically. Let me see what Isaac. Um, how do you spell the name? <coughs> Isaac. Uh, it was I S A S Z A C or something like that. There, everybody can understand why I paused at that name. Wait, no. I-S-Z-A-C. Okay. Hennig, H-E-N-I-G. I need to see... I need to see a better picture of her. Right. <sighs> yeah, because they didn't label them in the pictures. They just They just brought them up. Uh, search. Yeah, so I'm looking at this, unfortunately, shirtless picture of her. She definitely looks pretty built. Um, I'm not. So she's not taking hormones. She's, but. That's I'm. Here's the thing. We don't know if that's the truth. I'm not sure if I'm buying it. Yeah, you guys will have to look up this photo, the photos for yourself. Yeah, like I'm, I'm looking, like we can, unfortunately, we can see her without her, she's posing in a Speedo, but her upper body is 
Well, I mean, swimmers, female swimmers do have a pretty legit upper body and any, tend yeah, to have any, anybody a bit that, more of a masculine. Anybody that does, uh, like females, female swimmers, gymnasts, uh, hockey players, soccer players, they all have fairly defined figures and muscle, um, especially swimmers, because that is just, it's a, that, that, them and gymnasts for sure. Oh, yeah. But uh, swimmers, they, they have incredible bodies and tons of muscle. Um, very dense <laughs> from what I've seen. But it's just, I, I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. I'm All right. Some of the comments, way too complicated for me. I can't keep up with this. I agree. All right. I'm going to have to do like a, a little bit. I did not realize that There's this article was There's only seven comments this. there though. <laughs> no, it's just I, the... The breakdown of it, like I need to, I need to have like their pictures, their, like, is she transitioning? Is she not transitioning? I don't understand. I mean, she did go and have uh, genitalia removed. Um, you mean breasts? Yeah, breasts. Okay. Um. Yeah, this is weird. This is super weird. Yeah. No, most of the comments are saying they're confused and asking if they're reading this right or if it's a typo. So I'm gonna have to look into these. Uh, yeah, we'll give you guys an update. Two people a little bit more, strange. and we will. Uh, first thing on the next uh, news corner segment, I will run down this particular race <laughs> and break it down for you guys because yeah. I, I need. I'm gonna have to go check some other articles and find out if that's if that's legit or not. I mean, from the rest of the article, it sounds like it's right. She's but she doesn't consider herself trans. She's not taking hormone treatment. She had her breast removed. She's staying on the women's team, but because she probably couldn't make it on the men's team, no. that's my thought. Like, I don't think she can make it. Well, I mean, I would guess that uh, the <coughs> that Penn State's uh, transgender swimmer wasn't able to to cut it on the men's team. I mean, he raced with them for a few years, but maybe it just he, he wasn't. I'd have to go look at his record and see where was he placing. I'm gonna guess not near the top. Because he just got bested by quite a few females, actually. And normally those race times are fairly different. That's why the men's and women's sports are separate. Yeah. Well, that's confusing, hilarious, also sad. Also, what has happened to society? I have a lot of questions. Um, but More well, to come. Yeah, yes, I will let you... I will let you um, do more research. I think, into I, think this. I think the real question at the end of the day, Jordan, is: Will resident skeptics be on Trump's Truth Central? Oh, <laughs> <There> is... um, <laughs> let's see how it goes. Maybe we'll see. We could be on Truth Social. We could be one of the first ones. <laughs> you know what, Connor? We can take a vote. Whoever has the most votes wins. Oh wait, there's only two of us. So. Oh, I'll just put a vote on this podcast, and we'll see what people say. <laughs> Okay, I can make an Instagram poll and see if we should go on Truth Put it on Instagram. I'll put it on Spotify. We'll rack up all the votes and see what we get. Perfect. Sounds like a plan. All right. Other than that, uh, we will catch you guys next time for another uh, book club episode. Ooh. Book club. I might have just stolen it off of somebody else's podcast. I mean, book club is not necessarily like the most unique name on the planet. No, it's not. Book club, book review. I don't like book reviews. Coffee so, table book. That's weird. Book club. 
we'll just go do book club book club how good is the book does it land on the coffee table where everybody can see it or in the bathroom where people are forced to look at it when it's they, just decoration when it's a decoration book we i all never know got this. that that's what i have in, in our bathroom i know you're okay. one of them yeah because i need something to put in the shelves i so. sit i sit down and i'm like oh that looks interesting i don't have time to read this why is it in here <laughs> Do have the Federalist Papers uh, in the bathroom, but then Eden stole them, <laughs> so they're gone. So I guess it's like a it's like a bathroom library situation. So I'm gonna bring take a, a pee, but I'm gonna ta- bring a random book. book and leave it in your bathroom someday, just to start absolutely. Swapping it's things a sharing out. library. See if you notice. <laughs> All right, uh, this has been good. Um, we're excited to drop our first episode of Federalist Papers. And also, the website is just this close to completion where you will see our beautiful faces and also a pretty good bio for both of us and also links to everything you need. Also, sources. Yep. Big deal. We want to make sure we More homework sources. for us, getting all those sources up. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait because I got to go through the entire repository that we have. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that off air. But, um, <laughs> you know, I guess stay safe, but like mostly from car crashes. Be careful with the car crashes. And smoking. Don't smoking. smoke. Don't smoke. And don't drink and drive either. Those are more, those are very dangerous. So don't mm. do those. Also very inconvenient. Please don't inconvenience me, inconvenience me by drinking and driving, whether it's traffic or I'm the one in the wreck with you. Yeah. It's not appreciated. Also, don't drive high. Yeah, you're just too slow on the road. <laughs> you and the 80-year-old are having a race and it's like 30 miles an hour <laughs> below what you should be driving. You're going to get rear-ended. Please don't. All right, those are our safety tips for tonight. Today, who knows when we're filming this or recording, actually. So I think yeah, we're not it. filming anything. Yeah, we, yeah. Maybe someday. Maybe one day. All right.